Welcome back to Bowl Droppings, everybody. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host, AJ Torres. And we could talk about Sunday and the game against the Colts, but why do that when we can talk about Zach Cunningham? Yeah, news broke earlier. He had been released by the team in a move that was very surprising for a linebacker who'd been a mainstay on the Texans defense for years through different regimes and everything. But I think ultimately this move was due because he had just not been playing very well this year. We had seen a lot of missed tackles and some poor coverage. And considering the extension that we signed him to in the off season, he was untradeable. So now he's been dropped to waivers. And I think some team will take a chance on him. Some team will look for some linebacker depth and think, yeah, we saw what this guy can do, and we hope he can do it again for us. But, yeah, his performance in Houston this season was just not good. But what I found most interesting was what David Culley said at a press conference saying, you know, we have a standard here and I can't look the men in the locker room in the eye if I'm not holding people to that standard. I'm just like, okay. Uh, you know, I understand uh, it says that the Texans straight up release him now. And at 27 years old, and I think if he goes to a decent team, I think he'll blossom better. Because that defense as a whole is just not good unless it's those secondary pieces. And even now, they still think that they are a corner short from being uh, as good as, well, I say it is. But it's just that front seven is just overall weak. And apparently it's David Culley saying, hey, you know, we treat people like this. Now, there's a certain culture and we don't know what it is. But again, it seems like another new regime thing where it's like, I want my guys, these old guys in here. I want them out because they're not on board with what, what I want to do right now. But there is no plan in this regime. So this is just another drama BS thing that we've been dealing with all year. Now, it's actually funny because if you count the two wins, one was an absolute awful weather. And the other one was against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is, well, last year they're the best one-win team I've ever seen. And now Mm -hmm. with two wins, with a pick that was number one overall, they look just as bad. I mean, we actually said it too, that the Jaguars have an easy schedule this year as well. and. We were thinking that maybe they would get around six wins or so. I mean, technically, it's obtainable, but I just don't see light at the end of the tunnel. The only highlight right now is that right now, if you'll go to the draft, the Texans have are projected at the moment to have the number three overall selection, which is a pick that they've needed for a while now. And they desperately need it now. On what you say? Well, that's a topic for another time. Uh, that will <laughs> will reassess during the off season. 
Definitely. Yeah, it would. We just need everything with that third overall pick. Sad reality of it. And I wouldn't mind trading down for it either. Yeah, that's another thought we could have, but obviously we're going to have more time to get into that later. Because especially if you don't see a franchise quarterback that you really like with that number three overall pick, just trade down, bolster other areas. Yeah, is still a lot to be determined because we're going to have combines and all of that sort of thing. And, you know... Some different quarterbacks that I've heard about that could be worthwhile prospects, but again, a lot more to see with all of them. So moving back to what we currently have right now, as mentioned with Cunningham, he was signed to a four-year, $58 million extension. Clearly, we thought we had something, but it just didn't work out this year. You don't know if he just was a man paid, and then after he got his money, he just sort of checked out. Obviously, it's happened before. He was benched on Sunday against Colts. Go figure. They say discipline, but, you know, there's there's so much we don't know in that regard, and it's kind of pissing me off at this point because it's starting to become a charade. It's like, okay – Reed's out because of discipline, Cunningham's out because of discipline, and, you know, it's just starting to become this pattern, like everybody else that's just being released randomly, because what? Because they spoke their mind in the in the, in the uh, locker room or team meeting, they're like, I mean, come on. Also, think about the fact Brandon Cooks spoke out against Mark Ingram being traded. We didn't see Cooks getting tossed aside. I it's know, just and that so should have been a guy that should have been traded as well. It's like, do you want to win? Well, if the answer is yes, then you don't trade away. I mean, Ingram, I understand trade him, but maybe not for a bag of footballs and an air compressor to you know, blow him up. Well, to be fair, Ingram was a running back, um, and I'm pretty sure he's 30 years old. So we would know his shelf life is not very long in this league, so you weren't going to get a lot for him. Understood. I'm just saying, if you're going to trade guys because it's, you know, it's like who's on board, who's not. It seems like if you're like, oh, disciplinary reasons, it's like, okay, then Cook should have been traded at the deadline for disciplinary reasons and him not being, quote, unquote, on board. It, again, to me, this is kind of like the 2000s era. It's like, hey, how come all the AFC teams had uh, the Patriots run all over them? Because all of them said, I want my guy. I want my head coach for me to develop. I want you know, this guy in here, I want my quarterback, this player is my system. Well, I'll just take, I'll just give you an example. Every single New York, every single New York team that has won a championship outside, I want to say Parcells had prior experience at that head coach or manager position Mm -hmm. prior. 
So the experience ain't no joke. I understand the Cully hire, but it's just that, again, with so much drama, like I under, like there has there's been more drama in Houston than there has in Jacksonville. And there's one guy that, and and mind you, Jacksonville had a guy that was accusing of cheating on his wife. In public eye. <laughs> like, like, come on, there's been more drama in Houston than there has been in Jacksonville the whole year. Think about that. Yeah, the only difference is the stuff in Houston's not caught on video. But I want to bring up a couple other points <clears throat> real quick. Remember back in week two, Cunningham was benched in the first quarter against the Browns for recurring tardiness. So I guess you want to bring the disciplinary issue up. Perhaps that more factored into the decision to waive him. And I also want to say that according to Sarah Barshop earlier today, she says that the team waived Cunningham. So I was pretty sure he would hit waivers. I don't think it was an outright release. I, I don't know what your source uh, is, but that's not really important. True. We'll see where he ends up, and we'll see where the defense goes from here. Another interesting thought along those same lines is who's going to get more playing time now? I mean, we obviously know that Gruger Hill and Kirksey are going to maintain their prominent roles. Neville Hewitt? He might get another few chances in the starting lineup. Might as well rotate some guys and see what you got. Yeah, for sure. And I also don't know about Jacob Martin. Obviously, he's been a pass rush specialist in the past. He's undersized. I mean, I don't know how his coverage skills would be, but I mean... What do you got to lose? I mean, I feel like he's athletic enough. He could probably keep up with a number of tight ends. Probably not a guy like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. We wouldn't expect that anyway, because not many dudes out there can. But the point is, going against your average Joe tight end, like James O'Shaughnessy with the Jags or someone like that, you know, you could try it. At this point, you know, why not? Just throw some stuff against the wall, see what sticks. I don't know that I would ever want Martin being a linebacker full-time, especially not in a 4-3 scheme. But, you know, it could just be a wrinkle that we bring on Sundays just to give opposing offensive coordinators something else to think about. True. That is very true. So, I guess to wrap all this up a little bit, are you placing more of the responsibility for this with Cully or Casario, or what are you saying needs to be different to help smoothen this out? You know, I think Cully's a big part of it, especially since he's the one that's talking about change and everything else. And I, it's funny because Casario, who we kind of praised during the offseason, 
and during the draft process and all that. Well, the draft to a point because I, I hated the draft. I just like the the uh, players picked up in free agency. But the system going on ever since past week one, it just has been a downhill slope. It's like, okay, one first game, so expectations are already beaten. But then it's just like, okay, let's optimistically see where we can go from here. Uh, tie rod injury obviously put a monkey wrench into a couple of games that could have been wins, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if you want to win as many games as you can. But I just think of it as like there's no way that this many people spoke up, this many people have been annoyed or voiced their mind, and moves that just flat out didn't make sense and kind of think to ourselves that everything is fine. I mean, there's some positives about the year. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, for example, uh, let's see, Roy Lopez, sixth round, drafted 196 overall. I actually looked at his uh, PFF total grade, and a lot of people think it's dirt poor. It's actually 63.7. It's in the yellow. And not bad for a six-round selection who's got a lot of time to improve. It's true. That's decent value for a sixth-round pick. It's not Tom Brady value, but, you know, I'll take it. If you want to know what Davis Mills is, his is a 56.2. That's higher than I would have expected. Tyrod, 59.2. Right. And just think, Jeff Driscoll being transitioned in the tight end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Being like Tim Tebow over there. Right, right, right. Oh, and... For the hell of it, I think the best player on the team is Brandon Cooks, correct? Yeah, I'd go with that. talent-wise, PFF grade 72.5. Is there anyone else graded higher? Uh, I'm trying to take a a look. Yeah, I mean, Grenard might be up there. Let's see. Or Rex Burkhead? <laughs> Not really. All right. <laughs> Let's see. It's good. Defense. Jalen. There you go. Here. Where are you on this chart? <laughs> Come on. 84.3, Jonathan Grenard. Okay, that's. Higher than I would have expected. That's a lot higher than I would have expected. And I'm sorry, he's only been here for, what, two years? Last year, third round, 90th overall. Yeah, good value pick. I mean, essentially, right now, that is our golden goose. And we need to treat him like our golden goose. Yeah. (laughs) David Johnson. And his 176 rushing yards. His 3.1 yards per carry. He actually has more receiving yards than rushing yards this season. Well, so does an off-duty fireman. Okay. Ouch. (laughs) 
going back going back to the Jim Brown days. Some of the quips you have, I'm just like, I'm not sure where that came from. That's one of them. No, what, what happens is there's some people that believe that Jim Brown's the best football player of all time. And there's some people that say, oh, bullshit, he played against uh, off-duty firemen and factory workers. Kind of like the same excuse where they say Michael Jordan played against plumbers. That kind of deal. Yeah. Even though that's absolute horse shit. Yeah, that whole thing gets really tiresome. But yeah, especially from the Cleveland fans, but I digress. Yeah. We're getting a little bit off topic here. <laughs> but so, look ahead a little next bit. Week? Yeah, let's look ahead to this Sunday's home showdown with the Seattle Seahawks. At 1 o'clock. Correct. Eastern Standard Time, that is. So anyways, the Seahawks have definitely underachieved this season with a 4-8 and eight record. A lot of that was due to the fact Russell Wilson missed quite a few games. And if you look at his overall numbers, though, he has 2,042 yards, 14 touchdowns to four interceptions. Obviously, that's just overall numbers. It's not per game or anything. Their leading rusher is Alex Collins with 300 or yeah, 395 yards on 101 carries. And then Yikes. Tyler Lockett leads them in receiving with 881 yards, four touchdowns. Mm. Still, you look at this Seahawks team, they beat the 49ers last week at home. Narrowly lost to the Washington football team on Monday Night Football the week before. I mean, this isn't a bad team, you know. No. They had Geno Smith in there for a few games. They still hung tough against the Steelers in a game that went a very long time. So, I mean, there's no question in my mind that Seattle is more talented. And if Russ is cooking, yeah. Once again, don't have a ton of optimism for this game. It's kind of been the story of the year, folks. We'll see. I mean, this could be closer than they think. It's just because we have no idea if the Seahawks are losing that magic or not. Although, I'm looking at it. The last time this team played was late October 2017. Both teams combined for 79 points. Seahawks won 41-38. to this will not be a high-scoring game in comparison. <laughs> no, it will not. I honestly think it will be less than 40. Wow, not, that's kind of bold. I'd say probably like me, yeah, maybe definitely less than 50. I know that. But possibly yeah. less than 40. We'll see how it goes, man, because uh, as much as I hate to say it for the uh, Seahawks and uh, – I will talk to a couple of, uh, we know those Seahawks fans, and we know how rowdy one of them gets, hint, hint. I actually think that uh, the defense just doesn't have that spark it used to, and I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how 
calling everyone tries to make them move around. Although uh, the Seahawks offense, that's what uh, the rushing game is crap. So guess what? Mm-hmm. The Texans are going to have they're going to have an easier time. It's going to come down to can Russell throw a rock around that secondary, and we'll see. Yeah, I think he'll be able to do it. I this think might that, be the game where DK Metcalf just goes off. I could definitely see that happening. But if you want to be on the optimistic side and say, all right, what is it going to take for the Texans to win this game? Well, for a lot of the season, the Seahawks defense has also been fairly bad. So, we definitely got to have a quarterback throw for more than 100 yards because Taylor and Mills didn't reach that number combined on Sunday in that paltry showing. So, that's a start. We got to get there. At this point, I'm not counting on anything from the run game. No. I think we just – it might be one of those fluky games like whenever Chris Moore had that really long touchdown pass might come down to Nico Collins or Jordan Akins, Farrah Cooper. One of those guys just got to make a big play here and there. And, you know, the defense got to be able to pressure Russell and, you know, don't let him out of the pocket and dance all over the place. You know, it's Grenard Martin and those guys. Can they get to the quarterback? They might have a chance to do it against the weekend Seattle line. And, you know, it's how mobile is Wilson going to be in this game? Is he going to be able to get out of the pocket? So, yeah, keep him in the pocket. Unexpected big play. And get a turnover. Maybe this could be a game at the end. That's what I'm saying. You know what the funniest thing is about this game, too? You know how sometimes we go over the crazy rankings? Guess what the highest ranking is in this game? Okay, when you say ranking, do you mean like... Offense, defense, passing, Russian. Okay. Is that the the Seahawks passing offense? No, it's the Seahawks Russian with 24th. That's the highest out of everything listed here. So if we go by off, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Good freaking gravy. This is terrible. Seahawks offense, 31st. Texans, 32nd. Defense, Seahawks, 31st. Texans, 27th. Passing, Seahawks, 28th. Texans, 31st. Russian, Seahawks, 24th. And a dead last in the league for the Texans, which is no freaking surprise. So if the rush game isn't going to work and it's going to be just to troll people or to be a joke or do diligence, then what do you do? Open up the playbook and throw the freaking rock. The defense is terrible. Go for it. I mean, come on. Make it a game. Listen, the Seahawks magic is just they need to rebuild. And there might be a possibility where the NFL offseason could be Absolutely wild because if Russell Wilson and his celebrity wife are going to make this drama train thing go on again, then guess what? You're going to see Russell the Muscle Wilson and 
Demarcus Watson both be on the trading block this offseason, which is going to make everyone every single day be prepared to have their mind blown. This is absolutely ridiculous. And the Seahawks, listen, the magic is over. Okay, got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, but what else do you have on that team? Jamal Adams, which you overpaid, and then what? And he's out for the season. Keep that in mind. I also yeah. can't let you get away with this. You said Demarcus Watson. You definitely mean Deshaun. Deshaun, Deshaun sorry. It happens to the best of us. Like Sean Hockley, do you see that the other day whenever he was officiating in the Chargers Bengals game? And he was like, when the Chargers intercepted it in the end zone, he's like, the result of the play is a touchdown. <laughs> it's just like, oh, wait, yes, no, I'm in an interception. <laughs> Actually, it's oh, funny boy. because in that game, did you see the Bengals brown their pants on uh, the, after their first touchdown? Unfortunately, I was only able to catch the second half of that game. So what happened is they scored their first touchdown. It's now 24-6, to six, so they're celebrating too much. They're trying to go for two points. The play clock is about to expire. They call a timeout. They go to run the play, full start on the offense. They rush it back, and they said, okay, we'll get the extra point. He misses the extra point. Wow. So you blew a touchdown for nothing. Which, if you're going to kick anyway, guess what? You might as well just go for the extra point regardless, take the delay of game, right? Instead of use the touchdown? Yeah. So it's like, okay, you wasted a timeout, false start, and you missed the extra point. It's like, come on, man, get your offense together. Instead, you brown your pants. And at one point, it was actually interesting because it's like, okay, it's 24 to 6 now, and now it's like 24, like 18, and it's just like, Chargers, what are you doing? You got 18 unanswered points. And then they just, you know, one turnover by Mixon, and it was just a blowout again. But back on to the subject at hand, I think this is going to be a lot closer of a game than you think. And I think David Coley needs to take advantage of this. Now, I'm not going to say lost job or anything else, but if you're going to be optimistic as a Texans fan, this is going to be one game where you want to be positive about. Not saying that they're going to go up on top, but I think if the pieces are right, it could just be close. Tell you what, I'll predict myself a 23-20 to 20 game in favor of the Seahawks. That's where I'm going with yourself. Hmm. And your final thoughts? Yeah, I'll go with the Seahawks 20 to 13. Hmm. Offenses might struggle this week. In regards to final thoughts, you know, I can't tell if this organization is still trying to tear everything down or if they're actually trying to build up at this point because you wonder if you know some of the guys they brought in you wonder if they were trying to find some foundational piece or complementary piece now they're just continuing to get rid of guys left and right and you just feel like well we can't start the rebuild until we complete the tear down Absolutely. It's just weird. I mean, you've pointed out all the time, just like, 
moves that don't make sense given the message from the team all the time. It's just like, huh. it just makes me think about the one line from Joker at this point. It's not a tragedy, it's a comedy. <laughs> Although it's actually funny in myself because uh, I actually remember finding out the Joker's one true weakness. Okay. It was the IRS. Think Fair about enough. It. Think about it. If the Batman brings the Joker in, since Batman is not law enforcement, he doesn't have an unfair case. If the police bring him in, he pleads insanity, and they say, okay. But the IRS, you cannot plead insanity. So you're screwed if you don't <laughs> give them what they want. I found that out uh, watching the anime his series. It was pretty cool, but I digress. <laughs> right. Of course, it's pretty impressive that the Joker managed to get a revolver onto a TV show set. That's the biggest thing. I just couldn't understand. Of course, it may have just been in the Joker's mind. It's been too long since I watched that movie. Hmm. Very true, very true. All right, well, that's a final thought I wasn't expecting tonight, but anything else before we sign off? I think we covered everything, and uh, I think if you are, uh, let me just double check on something for the hell of it. I just wanted to see the, uh, right as of right now, Wednesday night, I just wanted to see the odds. Let's see. It is a seven and a half point favorite of seattle and that's playing in houston i think this is going to be a good betting game seven and a half points i would take the texans this week and how many times have i said that this year not many i think maybe twice right on so and there you all, have it that's folks. all i got and please remember to check us out on Twitter at Texans Talk Pod, especially for game days where we give all the details of what happens. And we're actually going to be off next week. Going to have some traveling we're doing, and we'll be back at the end of, the, of December, right before Christmas. It'll be after the game in Jacksonville. And we will see where it goes from there. Play Jacksonville on the 19th of December. See if we can get another sweep of the Jags. Again, we'll have to see about that. Oh, boy. Yep, high stakes right there. <laughs> Draft position? Yeah. Yep. Yep, so it'll be after the Jags game and before the Chargers game on Boxing Day. And I will be in Houston on Boxing Day 
to watch Justin Herbert as he figures to tear this defense a new one. But once again, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. That is so on behalf of AJ Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.